sitting with one of the greatest coaches on the men's tour, <laughs> Brad Stein. Brad, thank you for joining us today on ATP Tennis Radio. Thank you for having me. Always now, a pleasure. Yes. Well, I know we've spoken in the past, but I do want to introduce you. You've had such a great coaching career so far, still going. Obviously, the coach of Jim Courier, Marty Fish, Taylor Dent, Sebastian Grosjean. And now you're currently coaching not only Tommy Paul, the American, but went to the female side, Jen Brady. How, how is that working? I mean, yeah. that must be a, a little bit of a thing to juggle. It is a little bit. It, it, so far, it's worked out really well in certain aspects. And then other aspects, it hasn't worked out well at all, just from the standpoint that Jenny's been hurt, really, since we started. So she asked me uh, about working with her back in Rome. She had split up uh, at the beginning of that week with her coach at the time. And... Um, so she approached me and we had a little sit down and meeting and discussed a bunch of stuff and I told her that there wasn't anybody on the women's tour that I'd be more excited about making my debut on the women's tour with than I her. I was just going to ask that. Yeah, and, but I did say to her, I said, Jen, just before we commit to this, I want to let you know that I have never, ever coached a girl on the WTA tour. I don't really know the WTA tour. I don't know the players that well, everything. And it was funny because she actually said, perfect. <laughs> she said, "She said I know all the girls. I can take care of that part. She said, your job is just to make me a better player. If you can help me become a better player, then I know I'm going to perform better and win more matches. And, uh, and so I said, you know, I think I can help with that part. And, and so we started from there. So I'm just going to focus on her just for a tie. You said she was injured. How is she feeling? Um, she's been in... She's been in Germany now for about a month, month and a half. Her her physio slash strength and conditioning coach, um, a guy named Daniel Pohl. Everybody's kind of seen him, I think, when she made finals of uh, Australia. Big burly guy, great guy. He and I became very close during my time with Kevin Anderson because Daniel was working with Kevin at that time, and um, and I think that he was instrumental in actually Jenny and I getting together because you know we had spent that time before previously. So she's had plantar fasciitis. Um, which has been very frustrating and irritating. She just hasn't been able to really uh, get it to completely go away. She, it, and so it's been kind of this thing where we would train and try and get ready for a tournament, and she would play a match and maybe be able to get through a match or two of the French. You know, she won two matches, but then she ended up having to retire. Um, in Cincinnati, she won a match and then ended up having to retire again after one set. And, and so we sat down and just said, look, uh, much more important, I think, long term to to really try and get it right and be able to play at 100% than to continue through this situation and try and, you know, where we're, we're going back and forth and back and forth and not really being able to get the whole thing correct and stuff. So she's been in Germany now for about a month, month and a half with Daniel and uh, sounds like it's going very well. Uh, I, I have absolute full confidence in him because I, he is her strength and conditioning coach on top of being her physio. So she's getting support with the foot every single day but then they're also doing everything that they possibly can to keep her in shape she's just not really hitting balls so and the, and the plan is that she's probably not going to play until the start of the year again okay well all our all our best to her and that's very exciting i'm glad you've combined <laughs> the men and women's tour yeah, which exactly. me to, because to me that isn't too big of a transition because the men and women have so many combined events now and you've been around the women enough to know when you're when you've been working with the men but how is that work going to work with Tommy is that like an agreement you come to like sometimes you go with Tommy sometimes you're gonna go with Jenny no that was one of the things we discussed in 
in Rome at that time was that Tommy's going to still be my priority. And, I, you know, I made a commitment to Tommy, and to Tommy and I have been together now for a little bit over two years, and, and Jen was completely fine with that, you know. And so basically what we're doing is we've committed to the, um, to the combined events, so the slams and events like this and, and all the other events that combine with the men and women where their schedules match up. And... Um, and so far, again, we didn't have any conflicts. Like at the French, for example, um, they played on opposing days, so it worked out perfectly. And then on top of that, Jen is a morning practice person, and Tommy's an afternoon practice Perfect. person. So yeah, so it couldn't have been any better, actually. It, it really, we didn't have one conflict at all. Um, and then we were together in Cincinnati, and again, just worked out really, really well. Jen actually came to DC for the well during the DC event when Tommy was playing there, and we trained every morning. And again, there, that was, uh, we trained for about three days and the foot started bothering her. So we ended up stopping after that again, you know. So um, it's been tough. It's been great that the amount of time that we've had on court has been relatively limited. But, but when we have gotten on court together, I've really, really enjoyed it. She's an incredibly hard worker, um, very easygoing. Uh, she was funny again in Rome. She said to me when we were talking, she said, look, I'm, I'm basically the female version of Tommy Paul. And anybody that knows Tommy knows that that means she's pretty chill and relaxed. I was going to say, what does that mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's pretty chill and relaxed. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I, and I found her to be exactly like that. I think she was she was being very accurate when she described herself like that. So, so transitioning to Tommy just a little bit, you say he's very chill and relaxed. I know he's got a great personality. I've interviewed him before. And you, you've actually had to deal with the players that you've coached in the past, a lot of different personalities from a coaching perspective. I guess from the beginning, how do you approach each player? Do you, I mean, because it's not just about the tennis, a lot off court as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that um, I think a major part of being a successful coach at the tour level is having the ability to to develop a relationship and understanding the personalities of the players that you work with, because you 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 have certain non-negotiables as a coach. You know that you, you're just going to demand from every player regardless, but you also have certain things that you have to kind of like fit into their personality. And so obviously when you look at a guy like, you know, Jim Courier uh, in comparison to a guy like Tommy, very different personality. One of the things that I said early on in working with Tommy was that I didn't want to try and beat the fun out of him. Tommy really, I think for him to perform at his best and be playing his best tennis, he needs to be having some fun. Um, whether that's on a day-to-day -day basis and that and that doesn't you know when you say fun that doesn't mean that practice is less intense or that his effort off court in his training is less intense or that the effort is less than what it might be but um, but there has to be a little bit of a lightheartedness to it at times you know and and um, and are, I you, think, are you strictly talking about on the court or off the court as well uh, I think both. both a little bit of both with Tommy you know I mean like so so that's something that I've tried to maintain, you know, and you recognize that with his personality. And actually, as his as his ranking improved, and from when we first started, and and um, and he saw his position in the game start to move to a slightly different level, and his game was improving, um, he got more serious on a just just natural process of seeing where he was at and wanting to continue to get better and practicing with better players on a on a on a regular basis where it wasn't necessarily at the challenger level him being one of the top guys and guys practicing with him it was it was him practicing with top level players where you know their expectation of what they want out of practice is you know 
forced him to actually be a little bit more focused. And now that's become a natural process for him where he wants that on a day-to-day basis, you know, and he, he wants to be better. He wants to keep improving. He wants to be uh, at a higher level in the game. And, and so he recognizes, and it's just been kind of a, uh, I haven't had to push him really in that direction. It's, it's been more of him just, you know, seeing what he needs to do on a day-to-day basis to practice with the guys and, and compete with the guys that are at the higher levels in the game. And you mentioned no matter who you're coaching, there are certain non-negotiables that you have to do. What what exactly would you refer to? My my favorite TV channel, A and E, attitude okay. and effort. <laughs> that <laughs> was a good twist. It's all about attitude and effort. Attitude and you know, effort. you know, those are. <clears throat> excuse me, those are um, always non-negotiable. You know, I mean, I think that uh, for any player at any level, whether you're a junior player, or a collegiate player, or you know, or you're you know, aspiring pro, or you're at the tour level. Um, you know, if, you, if your attitude starts to affect your effort, then that has to change. And if your effort isn't there on a day-to-day basis, then that has to change. Um, and how do you go about changing that? Um, I, I think that any change you make, whether it's a technical change or a tactical change, or if you're approaching someone about their, their mental or, or emotional approach to what goes on in the court, that that's a day-to-day process. You know, I mean, it, it's like anything in our lives, I think, as, as people. If you want to make a change, that you have to do it on a day-to-day basis. And you, and you have setbacks. You know, you have days where you, like, screw up. And, and it, it wasn't a great day from the standpoint of your attitude or your effort and everything. But... Um, but that's just something that you, you know, you get back on it the next day and you try and get better. And, and, but I, I think that it's, it's always a, a day-to-day process in those, in those things. I think that's such an important point because, to me, my experience with some parents is that they, they want that immediate result and, you know, immediate success. But a lot of coaches I talk to, including you, are all about the process and improving day in and day out. So if you were going to talk to a youngster now, someone coming up, how long would you say to give that process? I mean, it's that's it a tough. Yeah, that's a tough question. My answer to that is is the same answer I give to a lot of questions. It depends. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd have to see the player and I have to see where they were at and what level they were at to start with. But, but for me, one of the things, one of the common things that I tell uh, parents when I've worked with younger players, is be patient. You have to be patient. You know, if I, I've I worked with a player a number of years back when he was 10 years old, you know, and, and um, he was a great little player at 10, and then he was one of the top players in the country at 12, and he was one of the top players in the country at 14. He made semifinals of uh, Easter, of uh, Orange Bowl, you know, so he was a good level player. And, and it's just, I mean, obviously when you're 12 or 13 or 14 years old, it's like be patient. That's all you can do is be patient at that point. You know, if you you keep trying to establish mechanics and and tactics and 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 the right attitude and the right effort on a day-to-day basis, and then you just got to let that process take its course a little bit and see which way it goes. You know, and then ideally, as a coach, you're there to right the ship. You know, when it starts to lean a little bit the wrong way, you know, maybe the forehand goes off or the backhand goes off or the attitude or the effort goes off or or they lose motivation sometimes, you know, and you, you have to try and find ways to to correct all of those different things through that process. But it's a when you're working with a junior player, I mean, it, that's obviously a long term process. You're looking at, you know, a two to three to five to eight to ten year type of situation. Right. So so that's that's a very long term type situation. And now you're working with Tommy and so that I mean you've seen him over the years grow up from that junior and transition to the tour when you decided to work with him what what in him did you see that you were excited about and you did mention that you he has made some improvements what have been those improvements um 
I mean, to answer the first part of your question, it was a little bit of a process in a way because I was still working with Kevin Anderson right. at the time. And so Tommy and I got together in 2019, but I had known Tommy, as you said, from the time that I really started back at the USTA. I went back to work at the USTA in 2014. And that gave me an opportunity to develop a relationship with Tommy and Riley Apelka and, and Francis and Taylor Fritz and Mackenzie and all these guys that are now playing on the tour that have been successful. And, and um, so I saw Tommy from, from that stage and um, got to know him pretty decently during that time period. Took him to a couple of events here and there when his coach at the USTA at that time couldn't take him. And, and then in 2019, Kevin was going in and out of, you know, a lot of issues with his, uh, his elbow and his knees. And, and um, you know, he had knee surgery at, just after the right. U.S. Open in 2019 and wasn't going to play for the rest of the year. And, um, and so Tommy contacted me and asked me if I would basically help him out on kind of a part-time basis through the end of that year while Kevin was recovering and rehabbing and everything. And I said, sure. So we went to some, uh, we started working really the week right after the U.S. Open. And Tommy won the very first event that we started working together at. Um, not sure that was necessarily based on me. You know, he was obviously doing a lot of good things before that. But there were some adjustments that we made right away. And um, to answer, the, to add into the second part of your question, part of that was incorporating using the slice a little bit more. Um, we tried to get him to focus on being a little bit more of a forehand-oriented player. Okay. Uh, Tommy had always had a reputation for being a little bit uh, much more solid probably off of the backhand side. Um, and maybe even a little bit more dangerous off the backhand side of the time. So we, we started reorienting him towards trying to, to be a little bit more of a forehand-oriented player. And so he won that event, won that challenger. Uh, we went to the next week, which was in Cary, North Carolina challenger, and he made semis. And then Tiburon the next week, he won that event, and that made, he, he made top 100 for the first time in his career. And that that was, must have been an amazing feeling. Top yeah, 100 is always great when you get to that. Absolutely, of course, yeah. you know. And I think for him, it was a, in some ways a bit of a relief. You know, he was a little bit behind those other guys that were kind of his peers. Um, and that was kind of the extent of what we had planned on doing originally. And then um, from that point, he asked me if I would continue through the rest of the year. And um, so we went to a couple tour events. And then he asked me if I would consider working with him full time. And that was a tough decision for me because obviously, you know, 2018 had been a phenomenal year with Kevin. Uh, finished top 10 and made finals. Right, of Wimbledon. I remember and, that, yeah. Um, but I also was just, I was questioning at the time whether Kevin was going to be able to to play a full schedule and, and be healthy enough to play, you know. And and, um, and through the, the majority of uh, 2020, he was kind of, obviously the pandemic came, but Kevin wasn't really playing too many events here and there. And then again this year, um, he's been much healthier lately, yeah. you know, which is great to see. It's great to see him back and playing on a regular basis on the tour. I, I just wanted to expand on that because I know you, you just you worked so hard with Kevin and to get him to that point, finals of the U.S. Open. Yeah. And that must have that been, wasn't me. That was Neville, that sorry. Was Neville, but, yeah, but to get him to that point, obviously a lot comes before that. Yeah. And then he had that run. But that must have been a little bit challenging, I would say, because you had worked so hard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and had Kevin had Kevin been healthy in 2019 you know we 2019 was really challenging obviously for all of us that were involved with Kevin and Kevin's team um, because he started the year out and right away in in January in Australia he was playing um, Francis Tiafu and he had a little issue with his elbow 
which he had had before. He's had elbow surgery, and so went right away. The doctor that actually had done his surgery is based in Melbourne, so we went and saw that doctor, and that that injury ended up keeping him out for about three and a half months, four months. So that was a tough start to the to the beginning of the year. Um, and then in the summer, you know, he, he was fine during the grass court season, did okay during the grass court season. And then in the summer again, he started having a problem with his knee. And uh, it was a little bit like what I've experienced with Jen, where we would go to the events and he would train and, and try and prepare. And then by the time, you know, we'd had three or four or four or five or whatever it was, eight days of practice, going hard on the knee, he couldn't really compete. And so he, he was pulling out of tournaments and pulling out of tournaments and pulling out of tournaments and basically didn't play anything in the summer. Tried to go to the US Open and we had the exact same scenario, practiced for three or four, four or five days and it just, just wasn't right, you know? And so he ended up having that surgery. And so with all of that going on and then Tommy asking me and then the way that things went with Tommy, um, I made the decision to to work with Tommy and stop with Kevin just because I felt I wasn't really sure where Kevin was going to be, you know, physically and whether he was going to be able to play and, and play a full year right, and stuff. And, right. and, and, um, and I did see a lot of potential in Tommy. Yeah. You know, we, I think that everybody that's ever been around Tommy from a young age has always seen that potential in him. I remember there was so much talk about him when he yeah. was Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously I think it was, what, 2000. 17 I want to say where he made quarters of Washington DC and had right. match point on on Kenya Shikuri at the time who was top 10 at the right. time and he had beaten a couple of very good players leading up to that and so there was a lot of buzz about Tommy you know and his capabilities and and um and I think rightly so he's a phenomenal athlete and and he's a very entertaining guy to to watch play um, and so people are kind of drawn to him. And, and as you said before, you know, anybody that's been around Tommy, um, he has an infectious personality. He does, You know, yeah. and so, so it's, it's really fun being with Tommy on top of everything else. Um, I've really enjoyed it, and, and I, I have to say that um, I haven't been probably as invested in a player personally um, for a while. Uh, as I am with Tommy just because he is such a good guy and such a really fun guy to be with you know and, and um, I want to see him do well because of that you know and it's like and, and I, I've said this before and, and I'm not saying that, that this wasn't the case with Kevin or anybody else but um, it's nice when losing hurts you know you, you you want the losing to actually hurt and with and with Tommy the losing hurts because you know you really I am so invested in what goes on with him and, and how he's performing. Can you can you expand a little bit on why you think it's good when losing hurts? Well, it's I know I, it's tough to explain. You, but. It's it's not really it's not okay. really. I'll give you I'll give you the perfect example. Okay. You know, I, I went through a phase probably when I was working at the USTA where you were kind of in and out with players. The the way the system was was set up there, you know, you just didn't have time really to develop relationships with players quite as much and so you were especially in my role when I was first there I was kind of filling in with guys and and um, so you, you just didn't develop quite as much of a of a feeling for that individual and then uh, I always remember Stephen Amitraj who was in charge of our collegiate program at that time um, and I was working under him in the collegiate program asked me to take Austin Krychek to go on the grass and uh, we spent five weeks in a row on the grass and I like to think that I'm a pretty good coach on grass and, and, and know how to know how to coach um, grass court tennis. And so I was very excited for the possibility of helping Austin out. And he had the potential at that time, um, if things went well on the grass, to maybe crack the top 100. And we went for five weeks in a row, culminating at Wimbledon qualies, and he didn't win a match. 
He went 0-5. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so, so and, and the matches were tough, you know. But, really, and those hurt. I'm really, assuming those really hurt. Really, tough matches. And anyone who knows Austin just knows that he's a great guy, just an unbelievably great guy. And during that five-week time frame, you know, traveling through England and we went to Germany a little bit and stuff, you know, I mean, we got pretty close, you know. We just got to know each other pretty well. And, and again, I just felt really invested in him at that time frame. And when he lost in qualies at Wimbledon, I remember we went to the Dog and Fox in in Wimbledon Village, and we were having a little pims and something to uh, Tends something to be a to popular eat. destination. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that's listening that doesn't know what a pims is, there's some alcohol in it. Um, and I remember I remember just you know at one point picking up my glass and telling Austin. I held it up to him and I said, Austin, I really want to thank you for making losing hurt again. Because because I felt so invested in what was going yeah. on with him, you okay. know, and I think as a coach, that's the way you should feel. You want wow. to feel that, you yeah, know. Yeah, that is. And and that's the way I feel with Tommy, 100%. You know, is that that it it, it hurts when I see him lose. You know, it. it so uh, to you as a coach, that feels exciting to you. 100%. For to have a player that makes you feel that hurt because it makes you know you're invested so much. 100%. Wow. And and I and I think that I think that that's something that you know you you uh you want that i mean as a player i think you want that from your coach you want to feel that that man this guy is really committed to what's going on with me and cares about me and and it's it's a it's a feeling that goes beyond just just tennis just wins and losses that part of it obviously is extremely important but it's also you know tommy's a young man who's growing and developing as a person and going through things and changes in his life and you know accumulating some financial independence and he wants to buy a house and he wants to get other things and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things you, you know that part of this job especially when you're coaching a young player you know is is a little bit parenting in a way and and so you know you feel invested obviously as a parent yeah you know in that situation also well I was gonna ask that like how much do you invest in his life off court because obviously that makes a difference with how they're playing on court sure so how much for example do you talk do coaches in general i would say talk about like social media and like um equality all these other issues that are coming up just in 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 the world and life in general that can affect you yeah i think i think given the amount of time that we spend with our players it's impossible not to have those kind of discussions about things that are going on um and i and i think they they become more specific, more tennis-oriented when you as a coach feel that they may be having any tor- type of a negative effect on your player's ability to perform. Because in the end, that is your job. You know, it's not its not your job is to help them to play the best possible tennis they can. So if if there's anything that's going on in their life, really, that's, that's having a negative effect on that, then you approach that. And sometimes that can be, you, you know, you have to walk a fine line with that you know because that's some of that's their personal life and and you have to right. you have to understand your own relationship and in and, and how that goes with that and so to answer your question specifically some of that is getting a feel for where you're at with your own player you know some of it is if your relationship is good often the player will bring up some of those things if they have issues that are going on um, if you know there's stuff going on with them at home family or or whatever you know you may try and bring that up a little bit and see if you can create some discussion and conversation about that. Um, but yeah, there's, you get pretty in depth, you know, with the amount of time that you spend on tour with the yeah. players that you coach. And that's where that patience come in, comes in yeah. for you as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You have yeah. to pick and choose your moments sometimes, yeah. you know. Now there's just one other thing because I thought it was actually kind of funny just reading some interviews that Tommy gave about 
his perspective on your coaching and he said one of the things that specifically you're working on is trying not to get him slide to slide so much on hard <laughs> is that accurate that was it that was an old one yeah you know we started <laughs> we started after the u.s open in 2019 so and has I, that improved and, and i gave tommy at, at that time i gave tommy a list of 11 things okay um that i wanted him to either add into his game change adjust or remove from his game and one of the things that i wanted him to remove was sliding on hardcore because it's becoming actually a lot of players are doing yeah it, i mean but he did are, it too much is there what you're are saying. tons of players that do do it i'm not a supporter okay so so i i i'm not a supporter of the idea of sliding to balls on hard courts for um so is it footwork or i just think it's it's an inefficient uh, yes that that's part of it 100 mm-hmm. percent. you know but i i do think that it's an inefficient way to move actually okay. i mean you, you you tell me from a physics standpoint if you're faster running through or sliding, because I'm pretty sure I, I th- I'm not sure I ever took physics, and if I did, I probably failed. <laughs> but, but I'm pretty sure that the instant you start driving your foot into the ground, you start slowing down. I mean, I'm unless you're on clay. I w- even if you're on clay, <laughs> you're slowing down. You still have to slide at some yes, point. Yes, you do. Okay. I mean, it's a th- completely different animal on clay. I'm right, 100% right. supportive of sliding on clay. Right. But on clay, you slide and hit. Yeah. On hard courts, you hit and sometimes slide. But to slide right. to the ball in an open stance like you would on a clay court and hit from that position, for me personally, Look, I don't know how is not something is not something that I support too. within yeah. my coaching. I think there are more efficient ways within your footwork to get to and produce a shot rather than sliding to a ball on a hard court. And Tommy was Tommy was not only sliding two balls, he was also sliding after the shots. Like if he ran to a drop okay. shot and didn't get it, then he would slide. And, you know, and he would lock his knee out. He's had a little knee issue. He's done okay. this other stuff. I'm like, I'm like, Tommy, how long do you want to play professional tennis? Because if you want to play for another 10 years or 12 years or something, you know, let's do everything as efficiently as we possibly can. And one of my arguments for the non-sliding is that, you know, you tell me in ATP tennis who the guy is that slides to a ball on a hard court the least. The least. The least. Who would be the player that comes to your mind that slides? Well, the one that slides that comes to my mind is Djokovic. But does he, he slides, slides the one least? of the most. He slides one of the most. That's yes. what I think. Yes. So who's okay. one of the one that slides the least? Federer. 100%. And the answer to that for me is that he slides the least because he has the best balance. Yeah. He is very balanced. He has the best. I mean, there's a lot of guys that yes. are balanced very I mean, well that's not though. to say that Novak yeah. doesn't have great balance. Right. He has absolutely exactly. phenomenal yeah. balance. But I actually don't know how people slide on hardcore in general. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't figure so it out. That was one of the original 11 things that I, that I gave Tommy from, oh, yeah. from back in 2019. And so how is it, how is it now? How is he? Much, 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 yeah. much, much, much better. Okay. A million times better. We've worked with it within, you know, it, again, it was a day-to-day constant thing. Don't slide to that ball. Don't slide to that ball. Here's how you move to that ball. You know, run through that ball or, or your footwork is like this on that particular ball rather than sliding. And Tommy would actually be like, okay, I can feel it. It's more stable. I can hit a better ball out of that position. So then that translated to also help having his his strength and conditioning coach whenever he would do footwork type of movement, um, you know, trying to relate to and, and 
reproduce the same footwork that I was asking him to do uh, on the court. And so at this point, it's way, 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 way better. Does he does he still slide to a ball now and then? Yeah, he does, yeah. 100%, you know, and that's fine. I, I, I think I, you can't get away from that with someone that's so athletic. Yeah, to some, to some degree. And, and I'm a big believer in um, coaching what would be ideal and then allowing what happens to happen through the athleticism of any particular situation because you can't you can't predict or really prepare for every single obscure bizarre situation that occurs you know a ball coming off the tape and landing short or something you know how you move to those kind of things so as an athlete you just let your athlete do what becomes natural in that particular situation but in general, tennis is a repetition sport. You're trying to repeat consistent footwork. You're trying to repeat certain things. And Tommy's become way, 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 way better at repeating the correct footwork. So very happy from that standpoint with those things. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm very happy you're working with Tommy and J Jenny, of course. But um, Brad, it's always great. You t you're so generous with your time. So Thank you so much. Really, I always enjoy talking to you, Joe. Really appreciate you being here. <laughs> Thank you. And best of luck.